The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. This morning, you guys are in for a real treat. Uh, we have this thing that we do every year at the beginning of the year. It's called six-minute sermons, okay? And the concept and the idea behind six-minute sermons is we have six individuals that are going to come up, and they're all going to speak for six minutes, okay? And so it's literally going to be like a, a baton race. When their six minutes is up, they'll pass the mic on to the next individual and so on and so forth as we go through the message. The only thing that we've done is we've given them the theme, and the theme is Jesus over everything, okay? And so they're going to come up, and I'm going to introduce all of them right away, uh, and then they'll just pass the mic on and keep on going. If you've ever been here for a six-minute sermons, it's amazing. You're going to love it, especially if you have ADD. That's even, even better. So, so this morning, uh, we have the privilege of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher his last name, but uh, Eric Hackis, Hackis. Eric Hackis, Brittany Russell, Pastor Don Williams, Amber Oketete, I got it, yes. Uh, Richard Gibbons, and then our very own uh, youth pastor, Andrew Gonzalez. So they're going to come up, and they're going to share their message with you this morning. They've got a timer on the clock to keep them on time, to try to keep them focused. When the timer goes red, we always joke about it. Uh, we built this thing on the floor here. When the time is up, I push a button, and they fall through the floor, and the next person comes up. I'm just kidding. We give them grace. Amen. <laughs> All right, so without further ado, Eric, let's start us off. Let's give it up for Eric this morning. Thank you, sir. Good morning, good morning. My name is Eric, and I know I don't know most of you. My wife and I have been here for about 10 months. This is my lovely wife, Teresa. When Pastor Jason said, hey, we'd like you to do this six-minute, I jumped at the opportunity. Pastor Jason, wherever you are, thank you so much. Uh, as I was going through my notes yesterday and timing myself, boy, six minutes goes so fast. So... Let's jump right in. So, Jesus over everything. I'm going to talk to a few, uh, a few minutes about the call that we have to place Jesus over everything in our lives. In Mark 12, one of the synagogue scribes asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the first commandment? That is, which is the greatest, the most important, the one to strive for over all others? And Jesus said in verse 30, The first of all the commandments, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Family, this is where our focus should be every day. This is our first calling. Our call to love the Lord is above all else. It is absolute. It is without qualification. It supersedes the great commission, the great commandment. It's more important than living by faith. Yes, we're called to live by faith. I'm a faith guy. I've been a faith guy for 40 years. Loving Jesus is more important. Paul said these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is what? Loving Jesus is more important than doing great and amazing things in the kingdom. Don't get me wrong. I want to have an impact in the kingdom. When I get to heaven, I want to stand before him, and I want to hear him say, well done. Good job. Loving Jesus is more important than the development of the fruit of the Spirit or the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. I love those things. I strive for those things. But loving Jesus comes first, and then those things will come also. So as with any other relationship, how do you, how do you love someone? Well, you got to know them. you got to know who they really are. So how do we find out who Jesus really is? Well, first of all, it's obvious. we got to get into the Word. It starts in the Word. 
Our Bible is a miracle if you think about it. It is the authority, the final authority on the nature, the character, the will of the Almighty Creator. It describes in detail who Jesus was, who He is, who He always will be. Psalms 138.2 says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Think about that. You have magnified your word even above your name. How great is that? This means that he exalts his word above his own authority. He abides by his own rules. As we become more and more familiar with who he truly is, we cannot help but fall more in love with him every day. And I would encourage you, as you open your word, open your word, start like this. Say, Holy Spirit, please teach me today, Lord. Please change me. Make me more like Jesus. Show me something new. We're promised that if we seek, we will find. If we ask, we will receive. If we knock, the door will be opened. Great big fat timer right there. Boy, no pressure, baby. <laughs> Starting the word, number two, we need to fall in love with prayer again. For so many believers, and I know I've been there, prayer can become kind of drudgery, you know, the same thing. I'm tempted to say my prayers on Monday and record it on a tape, and then the rest of the week just play it. <laughs> we need to get away from list prayers and back to relationship prayers, amen? As I get away from praying for those things that I feel I need to pray for, and they're important, and I adjust my focus to thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I love you so much. I'm going to be getting choked up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Prayer just becomes a delight. As I spend time loving on Jesus and enjoying his presence, he brings those other things to my mind, the things that I need to pray for. They're important. Those things are important. But it starts with spending time with him. I've found that when my prayer life is a one-way street, just me talking, I'm doing something wrong. It's when I'm talking and I hear his voice talking back and then we talk about those things. That's when it's just such a delight. Let's fall back in love with prayer. Number three, praise and worship. We were created to worship and every man worships something. Every single man. It's not just singing three songs at the beginning of the service and one at the end. If that is the extent of our worship time, we are cheating ourselves and we are not honoring our Heavenly Father. If that's all it is, worship and praise put all things good and bad into proper perspective. It adjusts our focus away from the carnal and onto the spiritual. True worship is time spent with the one who is truly worthy of all worship and praise. Developing a lifestyle of worship honors him and refreshes and restores and recalibrates me. Amen? Falling in love with Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Remember that one? He said that. <laughs> He's not talking about, you know, the Ten Commandments, and that's part of it. I know, I know. But you want to know the secret to obeying Jesus, to obeying his commandments? You don't want to know what the secret is? The very next thing he tells you, do it. Hey Amen. Turn that TV off. Let's spend some time together. I know. Next time your neighbor tells you about a tough challenge they're going through and the Holy Spirit says, hey, ask him if you can pray with him. Uh, can I pray with you? Just do whatever he says. And here's the thing. Jesus said, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in big things. So if you start small and show yourself faithful, and hey, when he says, turn the TV off, turn it off, pretty soon you'll be doing great things in the kingdom. Yeah. Lastly, start by telling him that you love him. This is especially hard for men. In your prayer time, say, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. At first, it feels weird. It feels, it does. 
It does, but pretty soon, if you will say those things in faith and have corresponding actions with those, pretty soon it's just, Jesus, I love you so much. You just fall in love with him all over again, and it's the most natural thing in the world. So in closing, be purposeful, be intentional, be intentional to love Jesus. Be intentional. Put him over everything else in your life. Amen. Good morning, church. It's so great to be with you this morning. My name is Brittany Russell. If you were here last week, you heard the exciting news that I have the honor and the privilege of being the children's pastor, and I get to just love on your kids. Yes. I have been in this church since I was two years old, and it is such a blessing that now I get to be on staff here. Um, if I have been gone for about seven years, so if you're in those seven years, you're like, I have no idea who you are, that's probably why, <laughs> but you will get to know me. So let's jump into this. So when I heard that the theme was going to be Jesus over everything, I'm a very practical person. So I'm like, how can we fit this in to our daily lives? And so as I was thinking about this, putting the statement Jesus over everything means that we are choosing to put Jesus over every single aspect of our lives, meaning no matter what life throws at us, um, Jesus is in charge and knowing that he is going to take care of it. So there is one area in our lives that I know a lot of us struggle with, and sometimes on a daily basis, and that is Jesus over our fears. And I want to talk about that for a little bit. Fears come in all shapes and sizes. Fear can cause us to lose focus on God and look at our circumstances instead. That brings me to Matthew 14, 22, the 31. So most of you know this story. It's Peter walking on water. So we have Peter and the disciples and Jesus. They just got done with ministry. And so Jesus told the disciples to get on the boat, and he will meet them later. And he was going to spend some time with God and pray. So the disciples get on this boat, and they're far, they're in the middle of the um, lake at this point, and it's probably super early in the morning, and um, Jesus is headed that way, but there's a storm. So the waves are crashing, and the boat is going everywhere, and as Jesus is coming, he's walking on the water, and all the disciples just see this figure. Imagine you're in the middle of the ocean, and you see this figure coming to you, and I would freak out, just like the disciples did. And they said, it's a ghost. But in 27, God says, Immediately, he said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. So let's pause for a minute. Um, I have an example in my own life when fear tried to take the wheel literally. Um, so last week, I was in Arkansas visiting a friend, and on my way back, my GPS, GPS redirected me. So um, because 
The highway was closed, so I went a different way, and I was in the middle of nowhere. And so as I'm driving, I'm on a two-lane road. Um, I don't drive in snow at all. There was snow on the ground, and I was like, Lord, this cannot get worse than this, but boy, was I wrong. So as I'm driving, the wind picks up, and as the wind is picking up, um, I can't see anything in front of me, behind me, to the side of me. I didn't even know if I was still on the lane. And as I'm driving, um, I start to freak out, so I put my foot on the brake, realizing now <laughs> that's not what you do. Um, I start to slide, and as I'm sliding, I take my foot off, and I re-correct myself, and I gain traction again. And I'm back in my lane, I think, and as soon as I look up, I see headlights of a semi coming right for me. So I turn to the right, I get back in my lane, and I just remember... Um, praying. I was like, God, would you help me get out of this storm? Just like Peter, I too was losing focus. Thankfully, the story does not end there. So in verse 33, 31, it said, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? So I want to point out a few things in this story. One, the waves were always there. When Peter was walking on the water and he got out of the boat, it's not like it was calm and then the waves started. The waves were already going. And number two, switch my notes. <laughs> Peter was walking on the water, but as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus he, and looked at the waves and the wind, he let fear take over and started to sink. And three, as soon as Peter called out to Jesus to save him, Jesus immediately reached out and caught him. So we all have Peter moments where we lose focus. And, you know, we have those times when we lose that focus, but the great thing about Jesus is as soon as we call him, he's there to save us and pick us up again. But when we choose to put Jesus over everything, we, can, we need to realize what we are going to, that we're going to face troubles, but we aren't going to face them alone. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that you, that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So I want to ask you, what are the waves in your life? What in your life is causing you to take your eyes off of Jesus? Is it that you're afraid that your adult children are too far gone from Jesus that they won't come back? Or is it you're not sure when you're going to get your next meal? Or fill in the blank. What are those waves? So I want to challenge you today to pinpoint the waves in your life. And when troubles come this year, because they will come, fix your eyes back on Jesus, knowing Jesus is your peace and he has overcome the world. Thank you. Har excuse me, Harvest Church, my name is Don Williams, and um, my wife, Eileen, my better half of 52 years, 
and myself, we, we are Lisa's mom and dad. And uh, we're just so blessed that our family is serving the Lord. It's just so incredible that, uh, that they're serving Jesus, our children and our grandchildren. We're so blessed that that is taking place. <clears throat> and we're thankful to the Lord for that. And um, we are from South Louisiana. We moved here about eight months ago. My wife and I pastored for 49 years there in South Louisiana. And uh, I know you'd never think it would be that long we pastored. When you look at my wife, maybe if you look at me, you think that we pastored that long. But <clears throat> we are so blessed and so thankful. And isn't it an awesome blessing harvest that the one that we serve is Lord over everything. What a blessing it is. And there are so many scriptures in the Bible that tell us that Jesus is the Lord over all creation. Matthew 28 and 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Wow. And then when Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after the resurrection, and we're seated up with him in heavenly places in Christ. And when I pray about that, I think we're there because we're in his heart up in heaven. And, and then as he ascended up into heaven, David wrote about that when he wrote in Psalms 110 and 1, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And that was the father speaking to his son. Ephesians 1 and 22 says, and he, that was his father, put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Jesus is over everything. Praise God. And the one who has all authority and power has given you and me a free will. And he's wanting us to submit our will to him, to submit ourselves to him totally and completely. He wants it all. He wants us to submit it. And we can be so self-willed and so determined to keep control over our own lives, to make our own decisions, and to choose our own way. Is anybody else like me in that way? We want to call the shots. We want to figure it out. We want to solve our own problems. We want to use our own thoughts. We want to figure it out. We want to say, okay, <clears throat> this will work. This worked last time. Let me try it again. Let's see what happens. All of those things. And Isaiah 55 and 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. And when we face life's decisions this coming week, this coming month, day after tomorrow, we need to ask ourselves, 
What does God's word say about this? We seem to want to figure things out so much ourselves. We try so often and sometimes we just find ourselves perplexed over and over and over and over. We're disturbed. Our peace is gone. We can't figure it out. It didn't work. Why didn't it work? And we need God's help. And there are times when I say, Lord, I need your help. The Holy Spirit is the helper with a capital H. He's our friend. He's our companion. He's our comforter, and he is our helper. And there are times where I have to step back and say, Lord, I have to acknowledge I have to have your help in this area. I need it. You say, why does it take you so long? I don't know. We depend upon ourselves so often. Sometimes we say, Lord, I need your help. And somebody hears us saying that and they say, has it come to that? We need it so often. We need to trust in the Lord. And Jesus wants us to submit to him as Lord and to desire his will to be fulfilled in our lives. And we need to submit ourselves to Jesus and follow the one who is the Lord over all. He wants to lift us up in the challenges that you and I face James 4 and 10 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourselves, and he will lift you up. Sometimes we're down because we haven't submitted ourselves to the Lord. God is with each of us and will show us individually what to do. Do you know the estimated population of the world is 8.1 billion people in this world? And this is the population of the world. And we serve a heavenly father that is present everywhere. And he is here right now with us. Isn't that a blessing? And he wants to minister to us. He wants to encourage and speak to us. And he wants us to open our hearts to him because he has opened up his heart to us and gave us his son to suffer and to die, and to die for us because he loves us so very much. And we need to look to the Lord like David did in Psalm 121 and 1 and 2. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Jesus is Lord over everything. And his love for us is inseparable. He is here to minister to you today. God bless you. Amen. Hello, everybody. If you don't know me already, my name is Amber, and my husband and I have the privilege of leading the young adults group, and now I'll be overseeing the life groups, and it is just so exciting. This church, it's so fun to be a part of. Um, so let's get started. Jesus over everything. I absolutely love that phrase. And, you know, I was like, man, that'd make a nice bumper sticker. 
you know, but then most times, you know, sometimes that is all that it is to people or what it can quickly become. So when I started thinking about Jesus over everything, I was like, what does this mean to me? And two things came to my mind right away. The first thing is, it's all or nothing. So I'm reminded of a story in Matthew 19 where the rich man comes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, what do I need to do to follow you? You know, and so the Lord says, well, you need to follow the commandments. And he's like, well, which ones? You know, as if there's a choice. And so, you know, the Lord just starts to list them out. He's like, yeah, okay, I've, I've already followed those. You know, like I've got that down, so what else? And so then the Lord says, well, you need to give up everything. Sell your belongings, give your money to the poor, and then come follow me. But the rich man walks away sadly because he had great wealth and he couldn't give it up. So the truth is it costs us everything to follow Jesus. We can't give Jesus 50% and expect 100% of his blessings. No relationship works like that. In other words, you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. The Bible refers to this as being lukewarm. And in fact, in Revelation 3, 15 through 16, it talks about how God will spit us out of his mouth for being lukewarm. I don't know if you've ever had to spit anything out, but typically when you do, it's because you cannot stand what is in your mouth. You're like, I just need to get it out now. We played this game called Bean Boozled, and if you've never played it, it's like jelly bean roulette. You know, there's like two different flavors, like say they're the same color. So say one is popcorn or it could be rotten egg. So you just take one of them and you just hope for the best. So when you get the bad one, you spit that out so quick. And that's how I picture God in this situation. It's like, wow, I don't want to discuss God. And the thing is, it's a high calling, all or nothing, but Jesus already gave his all to rescue you. So what's holding you back? The second thing is, it's a choice. Putting Jesus over everything is a choice we have to make. We have to make it daily or even sometimes hourly. But it's up to us to choose him over everything. The whole Bible is filled with stories of people choosing Jesus over everything. But my very favorite one is found in Daniel 3, and it's the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Or if you heard my husband, you'll say Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. <laughs> the whole time practicing yesterday, I was like, you're messing me up. So Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, what happens is King Nebuchadnezzar builds this golden idol, and he demands that everybody in the kingdom, as soon as they hear the music playing, they fall down and worship this idol. And if they don't, they'll be thrown into a furnace and die. So, the elders come to King Nebuchadnezzar and they say, well, there are three men that are not obeying the order that you gave. They will not worship your idol. So, King Nebuchadnezzar brings the three in and he says, is it true that you are not worshiping the idol when you hear the music play? Because if it is, the music is going to play and you have a chance now to fall and worship. But if you don't, I will throw you into the furnace. And I absolutely love their response to King Nebuchadnezzar. It says in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. 
If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have created. What boldness. In that time, they had an opportunity to choose Jesus or the easier way out to where they wouldn't have to endure a very painful death. But King Nebuchadnezzar, hearing their response, gets so enraged that he orders the furnace to be ten or sorry, seven times hotter than it normally is. In fact, the guards that tied them up and threw them in died just being close to the heat. But then, the amazing thing, King Nebuchadnezzar looks in the furnace and says, weren't there three men? Because now I see four, and they are unbound, moving around. So he calls them out. Not a hair on them was singed. They didn't smell like smoke, and they were completely unharmed. Now that is the kind of God that we serve. Sometimes all God is asking is for our obedience. We always admire the heroes of the faith, but he doesn't call the people because they're better. He calls them because they're willing. So in closing, I want to leave you with this story. There were two missionaries and two young men, they were missionaries, and they heard of an island in the West Indies where an atheist owner had 2,000 to 3,000 slaves. In fact, this owner said that no one will preach the gospel here. If there's a pastor or a missionary that gets shipwrecked, they're staying on the other side because I'm done with that nonsense. But the two young men were so compelled, so heartbroken that there were people dying, never hearing the gospel, never knowing Christ, that they willingly sold themselves into slavery. They are standing there on the shore, getting on the boat. Their families are standing there weeping because it's the very last time that they would ever see their family members. And as they were pulling away, the two young men locked arms, raised their hands, and said, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward for his suffering. Truly, Jesus over everything. So, I'm not saying that you need to go find, you know, a a deserted island with people that don't know Christ and go preach the gospel, but I am asking, what is the position of your heart? Are you truly ready to choose Jesus over everything. Good morning, church. So my name is Richard Gibbons, and I'm usually on the worship team, and you'll see me either in a back room or up there. I usually joke that uh, they put me there because they want me as far away from the mic as possible. Um, Joke's on them today, though. Um, So I'm going to give you a word, and I want you to stop and think about what what emotions that word evokes. Uh, It's a churchy word. You've probably heard it before, but I want you to focus only on the word itself, not on the lessons you've heard on it before. Ready? Long-suffering. What part of that word drew your focus? I'm going to guess it was probably the suffering part. None of us want to suffer, right? In fact, our brains are so hardwired to avoid suffering that it will do dumb things that can have long-term consequences just to avoid short-term suffering. 
Uh, We focus so hard on the short term that we often ignore the long term, just like you may have ignored the the long part of that word entirely. How am I going to pay the next bill? What am I eating after church today? Did my kid watch too much TV yesterday? Uh, What is the next doctor's appointment going to reveal? You see, the word long-suffering is used in many ways in the Bible to portray God's patience with us, to withhold his temper. In fact, the word long-suffering in the Bible is made up of two Greek words meaning long and temper. In some place, it's simply translated as patience. In modern times, it's also known as being a Dolphins fan. Um, (laughs) Joking aside, joking aside, um, I want to expand on long-suffering a little bit more and say this. God plays the long game. I want you to think about a blessing in your life. Now, start walking it backwards and think about the circumstances, both good and bad, that led to that blessing. Then think about the circumstances that led to the circumstances that led to that blessing. How far back can you go with it? Think about life experiences. Anyone start off with what felt like a dead-end job, but you can look back now and recognize important life lessons you picked up that led to better opportunities later? How about something catastrophic that happened in what was then the worst season of your life, but has now blossomed into something beautiful? All of those little steps that link together to build into something more big and beautiful than you could have imagined back at step one, that is God at work. God plays the long game. God is over every good thing in our lives. Um, Hold on, lost my spot. And he sees the long-term goals that he wants for us. He tries desperately to guide us in that direction if we would only open our hearts and minds and listen. If we do the little things that he asks of us, those become the building blocks for blessings bigger and better than we can possibly imagine. Now, don't get me wrong. We don't, God doesn't have to play the long game. We serve a God of miracles that is the same now as he was then and forever will be. God absolutely has the divine power to change any circumstance at any time. But he often chooses not to. Not because he doesn't love you, because he does. Not because he doesn't want what's best for you, because he does. Not because it's easier for him to wait, because it pains him too. God plays a long game because we still have lessons to learn and growth to experience before we get there. God plays a long game because sometimes he knows we aren't ready for that blessing. God plays a long game because sometimes skipping to the end that we want so badly might actually destroy us. The truth I've had to swallow myself is that our short-term focus and striving are often the very reason that God has to take it slow with us. And here's the real kicker. God's plan for us may not even happen in our lifetime. God plays such a long game that actions you are taking now may have been set in motion three generations ago with an end goal that won't be realized until three generations from now. The number of links in the chain are so far beyond our understanding, we can't possibly fathom it. But here's what we do know. Romans 8.28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I've made this big point in a small time to grow your perspective. But what you do do now that you're armed with this knowledge is still very simple. Trust God. You see, we want God to come in on a white horse and a crown and a flaming sword and just wave in the general direction of our problem and solve it. Before the birth of Jesus, that's what the Jewish people wanted too. They wanted freedom from the oppression of Rome, and they prayed for their deliverer. But Jesus didn't come with a white horse and a crown. He had a bigger picture in mind. He didn't come to deliver them from Rome. 
He came to deliver them from sin and death. Jesus had to be born as a baby, live through puberty and poverty and all the human problems and emotions, and take 33 years to accomplish his goal. He wouldn't be as relatable and personal to us if he just came down as a grown man one day, was immediately crucified, and went back to heaven in an instant. But you know what the real kicker is? About 440 years after Jesus' resurrection, Rome still fell. God plays the long game. It's all throughout the Bible, and we see it in the stories. Wandering in the desert for 40 years, Abraham and Sarah waiting 25 years for a son, David waiting 15 years to be king. But those pale in, compa- in comparison to some of the other stories. Matthew 13, 17, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. What Jesus is referring to here is the 351 Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus thousands of years after the prophets wrote them. Tyler actually talked about one a little bit earlier, talking about Isaiah. So these are a reminder of God's faithfulness, but they're also a reminder that we must trust him even when the path isn't clear, even when the goal isn't in sight, even when we don't know all the answers, and even if we don't even know which questions to ask. Keep walking with Jesus. Open your heart and mind to what he's telling you, both where he wants you to go, but also where he wants you to grow. Do the little things right. You still have to put in the work, but trust that God is going to link all those small actions together for good because God plays the long game and he wins. Good morning, church. My name is Andrew. Uh, My wife and I have the wonderful privilege of being the youth pastors here. Um, And I'll say this. I'm a youth pastor, so I talk to youth students every single week. They don't have super long attention spans. Hey, back there. Um, So you would think that I would be used to, like, preaching shorter sermons, you know. But um, since I have been the youth pastor, I have learned that I am a lot more long-winded than I expected. Um, So just bear with me. And before I jump in, I do want to say... This theme of Jesus over everything, Amber kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, It does sound kind of cheesy sometimes. It does kind of seem like a bumper sticker thing. But I I just want to brag on our pastors um, that that this is is not just a cheesy statement for them, but that this is something that they actually try to live in their daily life with their daughters and with you guys as a church. So, Pastor Jason, Lisa, if you guys are watching from wherever you're watching, um, we love you guys and thank you for leading us so well. So to jump into this, I love this theme of Jesus over everything. It reminds me of this repeated idea that we see all over the scriptures where God is um, describing what his ideal relationship with humanity is. He says this, that he will be our God and that we will be his people, which in short is just to say that Jesus will be over everything. And I want to start with this point. If the creator of humanity says that when he is over everything, that that is his ideal relationship with us, then we can trust that this is our sweet spot, that this is what we were made for, and this is what Jesus talked about in John 10.10, where he said that this is life to the full. Now, that's a whole message on its own, but when I started thinking through this topic, something else came to mind, and it's this question. What happens when we choose to step out of the sweet spot of Jesus over everything? And my focus isn't on the entire picture. It is one aspect aspect that we find Jesus, Paul, and uh, Peter all talk about in the New Testament. 
It's found in Romans 6.16. It says this, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Whatever you choose to put in God's spot above everything, don't you know that you will become a slave to it? So to Paul, when we remove God out of his place, something else steps in. So it's not a question of what steps in, or it's not a question of if something steps in. It's a question of what steps in. And whatever it is, Paul is warning us that we will ultimately become slaves to it. Now let's contrast this a little bit. When God is in his place, he is compassionate. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. He is good. One of the things I love about him, he's all-powerful, like Don was talking about. He has all authority, which means that if he makes a promise, he can actually follow through with his word. He's also, although he's the most powerful, he is also the most humble. And that contrast just in him alone is insane. But I can guarantee you that whatever else we put in his place will not have the same attributes as God. Because nothing else is supposed to be in that place. I can say it this way. No, nobody else's shoulders are strong enough to bear the weight of humanity, of their beauty and their imperfections. Only God can do that. Which means being a slave to something else won't lead to life to the full, like Jesus talks about in John 10.10. But I promise you it will be full, full of all kinds of stuff, including stuff that we maybe don't want. Now, there's a spectrum to what this may look like. You can look at somebody who has a life-controlling addiction to something like uh, sex, alcohol, or substances. They're willing to give up relationships, friendships, marriages, They're willing to give up their health, money, and ultimately their lives all for another hit. Now that master clearly, uh, where we can see, that master clearly has control in their lives. But we also have some more socially acceptable masters, don't we? Let's take uh, entertainment for an example. Maybe you start a new show on Netflix because you are interested in it, and it's a good show. It's neither good or bad, but let's say it quickly turns into a bad habit. You have a bad day, you could deal with your problems, you could deal with the emotions, you could talk to somebody about it, you could pray about it, you could talk to God, or you can fall into the trap of just going to a distraction. You don't really like your story, so you watch someone else's from afar, and it at least distracts you a little bit from your own problems. Because let's be honest, it is a whole lot easier to watch Love is Blind, see all of their relationship issues, um, and, and try to fix theirs than it is to deal with our own relational issues. And before you know it, the remote that controls the TV somehow has control over your hand because now every time you have a bad day, that is what you are reaching for. Your drug of choice is to numb out on somebody else's story. If I can say this, life to the full that Jesus promised, it is not distracted. Here's the bottom line. Regardless of how bad it is, when we step out of this sweet spot and put something else in God's place, at best, we're not living life to the full. At worst, though, we may become full-on slaves to an oppressive master that does not have our best interest in mind. The reason why this is so important to know and understand is because in our cultural moment, there's a belief that freedom is being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want to do it with. But according to this scripture, if we choose to obey those desires, it doesn't lead to freedom. Paul says that actually leads to slavery. 
think this is a, a great saying that describes slavery to sin. It says this, sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you'd like to stay. And that is what we will get when we step out of the sweet spot of Jesus over everything. The interesting thing, though, is that if you follow Paul's logic through, he doesn't say that we won't be slaves. He says that we will be slaves to whatever we choose to obey. The rest of the verse says this, you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. If I can say this, somehow in this upside down kingdom that we call the kingdom of God, slavery to the right thing is actually freedom. The biblical framework for freedom isn't just doing whatever we want. It is when we have Jesus over everything. And when he is over everything, there is a way to live. There are parameters that are set in place. And there is a standard. It is not I do what I want. It is I do what is right. And if we're being honest, that is why it is so hard to keep Jesus over everything. Because the truth is, we do all have these desires in us to just do whatever we want to do. We want to take the easy path, the path of least resistance. Life to the full is no doubt the place of full satisfaction, what we were created for. But the guy who promised life to the full was also crucified at the end of his life. Even though he was praying in the garden before that, God, if you can take this away from me, like if, if this cup can pass me, let it pass me. But ultimately, let your will be done. That's a, that's a wrestling that we see in Jesus' life where there is something that he doesn't want to do but that he follows through with. Here's the thing. I guarantee you that when he said it is finished, when he was on the cross, that was him saying, hey, my life was complete. That was life to the full, even though he died on the cross, even though it was something that he didn't want to do. So yes, Jesus over everything, it is the best place to be, but it doesn't mean that it will always be easy. To end this... I do have some really, really good news for you guys. The scriptures, it's actually Jesus in John 8, says that who the Son sets free is free indeed. What I want to say is this morning, Jesus paid the price so that you and I do not have to be slaves to sin, so that we do not have to be slaves to death, so that we do not have to be slaves to these desires inside of us to do just whatever we want. We don't have to be slaves to what the culture says says that you were bought with a price. If I can say it like this, a slave doesn't just get to determine when they get to walk free. Somebody has to come in and set them free. You were bought with a price, and it was Jesus' blood. He does the work of setting us free, and from there we learn how to walk in freedom. Because if we're being honest, he sets us free, and then we have to learn how to keep those chains off. Even though the world and our flesh tell us to do whatever we want, the scriptures also say that we do not have to conform to that idea, but that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Freedom is free because he paid for it, but keeping Jesus in this place over everything is where we will learn to walk in this freedom. Two minutes over. To end, I have this one last thing. Don't you know that the one who made us out of the mud, he's going to be the one to pull us out of the mud, and on top of that, he is going to teach us how to stay out of the mud. Thank you. Amen. Didn't they do a good job today? 
I love how this happens. It happens every every single time we do this, is we just give them a simple theme, and it's it's amazing to watch how Holy Spirit just weaves that message through each and every person, and they all have a different take and a different view and a different opinion of of the main topic and how how God just works through it all. Amen. Amen. If if y'all would stand with me this morning, we're gonna uh, get ready to to bring the service to a close. I want to share a few things, and then uh, we're going to go back into worship, and we're going to spend a few moments in worship uh, as we sing the last song, and then we'll close the service this morning. I love how Eric began by talking about falling in love with Jesus again, how it takes being in relationship with him by reading your word and, and, and being in, in, in your word with him by praying, by worshiping. And then I love how he said it multiple times, to loving Jesus falling back in love with Jesus. Love how Brittany began to talk about fear and how every one of us, every single one of us struggles with fear and has those, has those things in our lives and how if we put Jesus over everything, he can overcome that fear. Amen. Pastor Don talked about how Jesus is over everything, not only in the physical, but in the spiritual, that Jesus is over our everyday lives, over all over the things that we do every single day, but he's also over all the spiritual stuff that happens as well. And how Brittany began to talk about that we should be all in or all out. And I don't know about you, but I want to be all in for Jesus. I don't want to live my relationship with God halfway, partway there, kind of in, kind of out. I want to be all in for God. Because I love what Andrew talked about at the end, is that you're going to live a full life if you live it all for Jesus. He's going to give you a full life. And so that's my encouragement, be all in for God. And Richard put it so well, talking about long-suffering and the patience of God. It's amazing it's amazing that if you look back and you think about your life, it's, it's actually ironic and kind of funny. I was talking to somebody the other day. We were talking about all the different things that have happened. It was a friend of mine that used to work for me. We were just going back and forth and we were reminiscing about all the different things that happened in life and how we've grown and how we've learned and how we've done all these things and how we wouldn't be where we were today if we didn't go through these certain things in our lives. And, and, and how you can relate that so easily to God. And man, if, if I didn't go through this hardship in my life, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the, 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 the faith in God that I, that I did then because now I see what God could do. I see what God could accomplish. And so how God plays the long game. He's not in it to just do it real quick, but he's in it for the long game because he cares about us and he wants us to grow and he wants us to fall more in love with him. And to not let anything take the place of Jesus in your life. And then Pastor Andrew spoke about distractions and things taking the place of Jesus over everything. And how easy that is. It is easy. Yeah? You could be in love with God and you could be doing the right things and something just begins to creep in and you don't even notice it. And before you know it, you're not reading your word anymore and you're not spending time with Jesus because you're distracted by a TV show or you're distracted by something, and you allow that to take the place of Jesus in your life. At the end of the day, the idea, the goal, what we're trying to reach for, what we're trying to achieve is that Jesus would be over everything in our lives. 
our relationships, our fears, our doubts, our distractions, all of it. Amen. Real quick, this is something that we, we make it a goal to do every single Sunday because this is probably the most important thing that you could do, the most de- important decision you could ever make. I'm going to ask you if you would just bow your heads for a minute, close your eyes. We only do this so that there's privacy for every individual this morning. And maybe you've heard these messages this morning and, 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 and you're beginning to see and beginning to realize that Jesus should be over everything in your life. And maybe he's not right now. Maybe you came this morning in and you're just beginning to learn about a relationship with Jesus and, and, and you want to know more about who this guy is. Maybe you've been in a relationship with Jesus and you've allowed distractions to overtake your life and now you feel far from him. I want to give you this moment, I want to give you this opportunity to make your life right with Jesus, to put Jesus over everything. And so this morning, if you find yourself in that place where, where, where I feel like I'm not near God and, and I want to be, just throw your hand up in the air and we want to pray for you this morning. This is the most important decision you can ever make is giving Jesus your all, giving Jesus your everything, saying, Jesus, I put you over everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church, would you pray this prayer with me, everybody together? Dear God, this morning, I choose to put you over everything. I pray that you would forgive me for the distractions I've allowed in my life. I pray that you would give me the grace to make my life right with you. Jesus, I thank you for your love and for your mercy. I pray that you would be over every area of my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those who prayed that prayer this morning? And then lastly, there's this. I want to pray for you this morning. If, if you found yourself relating to any of these areas that we've discussed, I know that at times I could say probably almost every area I've had a, I've had a struggle with, right? I, I break it up into these categories as I was taking notes. First one is relationship. Where is your relationship with Jesus? Where does it stand today? Maybe, maybe you haven't completely walked away from God, but maybe, maybe your relationship could use some improvement. Maybe your relationship with God, your, 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 the, the time that you spend with God, the relationship that you have with Him, maybe, maybe it needs some work, right? Maybe there's some areas in your life where you're fearful, where you're afraid of whatever. You're afraid of a doctor's, a doctor's report that you got or... or or you're driving down the road and you get, you get the fear that overtakes you. Whatever it may be, you, you only know. 
Maybe, maybe you're struggling with the patience of God. Maybe you're struggling with the fact that you feel like God's not moving fast enough. That he's not doing the things that you want him to do in, in your life. Can I say I relate to that one? That you pray and, and you pray and you pray for, for God to intervene in a situation. You pray that, that God would bring, bring a, 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 lost, a lost one home and it hasn't happened yet. And you're questioning, God, when is this going to happen? I'm, I'm running out of patience. Whatever that looks like for you. Maybe you're struggling with that. Maybe, maybe today you're struggling with distraction. You feel like there's areas of your life where you could be giving God more and, and you're choosing to just, as Pastor Andrew was saying, flip on the TV or, or do something else instead of, instead of focusing on God. I don't know where you find yourself this morning, but I know that I can relate to some of those and, and maybe you can. So I'd like to pray for you this morning as, as we get ready to close. And then, and then here's what I'm at. This is my ask. That as, 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 as I've talked about these and as, as we're going back into worship, as we sing this last worship song, Jesus over everything. Let's give him our all this morning. Let's, let's commit. Let's say, God, all my distractions, all my fears, all my worries, all my frustrations, my impatientness, I give it all to you. I want you to be over everything. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, church. God, we thank you this morning for your word, for your message. God, we thank you, God, that, that it stands true that, Jesus, you are over everything, God. God, you're over our fears, you're over our doubts, you're over our distractions. God, you're over our impatientness, Father. God, Jesus, you are over everything. And God, this morning I pray for every individual that, that may relate to one or maybe multiple of these areas of, the, of, of their life. God, I pray today that we would make the conscious decision to say, Jesus, I want to put you over everything in my life, over every area of my life, over every relationship in my life, over, over it all. Help me to fall more in love with you. Help me to spend more time in my word. Help me to, help me to, to, to spend more time in prayer with you. Help me to be, fall deeper and deeper in love with you, God. That I would put Jesus over everything. So this morning, I pray right now, God, I know that you have a desire to come and to speak to each and every individual. You have a desire to come and meet with each and every one of us. And so I pray, Father, that as we enter this last worship song and we spend time pressing into your presence, that, God, we would choose to put you over everything. God, we worship you, we praise you, and we thank you for what you're doing here and now. In your mighty name, amen. Church. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.